And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 30, number 30 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, June 9th, 2014. Hey, we're 30 episodes in now, and if you've listened to more than 20, give us a review, won't you? Just go on over to that iTunes-y thingamajig and browse on over to our podcast there and let the world know what you think. And here's also a little secret for you. We publish on Tuesdays, and the blog post doesn't go live until Saturday. So if you want a little more timely rant and rave from Joe and I, we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher. So you'll see that podcast come lighten up your podcatcher app. Or if you're just looking for one more way to spend a Saturday afternoon while the kids are watching Pokemon or SpongeBob or whatever, you can listen to us. Come on over to thisoldmarketing.com where you'll find all the show notes and general great stuff we talk about there. Anyway, and also, as always, please welcome my good, good friend coming from Cleveland, Ohio this week. Please welcome the World Cup of Content Marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? You know, I'm doing fantastic. You had a good weekend? I did have a great weekend. Yeah, although I, mean, I saw I saw a mediocre movie. I have to say, what was it? That uh, that X Men movie I saw is not. Uh, I I thought it was just okay. Everybody says it's great. I just thought it was okay. You know, I I just saw Spider Man and I thought the same thing. It just yeah. It wasn't, oh, I thought Spider Man was, was, was the mediocre not so too, yeah. amazing Spider Man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, that, you in know, fact, that was my I, Facebook post. Spider Man, <laughs> the amazing Spider Man is neither right. <laughs> I you know the X Men wasn't. It, it it could have been a half hour shorter if they if they did a little bit better editing. But it's something about those superhero movies. They have to go two and a half hours or like something's wrong. It's yeah. It's got to be two and a half. You know, about an That's hour, exactly hour right. 45 is great. I'm about finishing up my popcorn by that time. I'm good to go. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, you know, well, if they end the series there, then I'm good. But I don't think they're going to end the series there. And you and I both know how it ends. So I won't go of any spoilers. But, you know, it's there's there's a big problem if they continue the series in my book. Well, you know, you mentioned the World Cup. Speaking of, did you see the John Oliver rant? Um, I did. It was so great. Oh, oh, so we got to. So we'll have to put it in the show notes. The, and, we will. Or just go check it out. Go the John Oliver FIFA rant. It's and and by the way, I was not a big fan of him. His on uh, Daily Show. Uh, now I he's he's just oh, he's fantastic. Funny. He's amazing. Oh, he's so- He's so good. I, I I actually was a fan of his on the when he was filling in for John Stewart, and I just think he's I just think he's awesome. You know, it just didn't. I think he made it his own. Now he really like it was almost like he knew he was filling in for John Stewart, and he's gonna he did. lose his job. He has, and he did. He, yeah, he filled he has, in. He yeah. did a fine job filling in. But now he's made this. What is it called? Last week tonight or something? That's is it. A show. That's it. Yep. That's it. And I just get the thirteen minute updates that are shared all over the place. It's always about something interesting. So exactly. That's off to him. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> well, speaking of interesting and in the news, um, let's move on to the news. All right. So our first story. You know, this is. Just makes my heart sing. I have to say, you know, when it's one of those things where you go, "Aha! Told you so." Um, so Facebook sets the record straight, says this article on organic reach, and basically proves our point in the process. Um, this article comes from Marketing Week, actually, and then links over to a blog post on Facebook where the article talks about how Facebook has sought to put the record straight after all the reports highlighted the sharp decline in organic reach of all these brands' uh, pages. And they published this blog post basically talking about here's what's really going on. And, I mean, I have a take on this, but I wanted to get yours first. What, what did you think about this, uh, this wonderful post that well, they put out? I'm glad we're – I mean, 
I'm glad we're seeing posts that are actually in line with what we're saying and the recommendations <laughs> we're making because it would really right? stink if it was not that if way. If we were wrong. If we were wrong because <laughs> I don't like being wrong. Uh, so we, we've all – and I've been saying on speeches in UF2 that get ready for 5% or less organic reach with your Facebook feed. And it looks like this article says uh, has declined to as little as 2% according to Ogilvy. There was an article in the in the Wall Street Journal uh, just this week that talked about Tesco, which is the big UK supermarket. Oh yeah, they sure. are the biggest. They have uh, they've gone down to point point nine eight percent, so less than one percent reach. But I I guess my and they're pissed. Well, what I and I I don't know how to take this of the article. So the Facebook spokesperson is saying, now wait, this is actually good news. It's good news because of the way we're setting that. up your news feed. We're getting so much engagement that it's bringing down yeah. your percentage. This is what yeah. you want. I mean, did you exactly. – Did you? is that like the master of spin, that guy? It's just like, so wonderful. It's just so – it's just there's so much spin going on there. My, my, my favorite part of looking at the Facebook post was envisioning how many revisions through the PR agency and seeing the the email chain going back and forth. No, I think you need to restructure this sentence to say this exact. No, hold on. No, wait. And going back and forth, trying to get it exactly right. Um, so, I mean, the, the part where he says, this is the quote from now from the Facebook blog where he goes, there's now far more content being made than there is time to absorb it. So he's basically a- adopting the Mark Schaefer content shock now. <laughs> on on average, there are 1,500 stories that could appear in a person's news feed each time they log into Facebook. For people with lots of friends and page likes, as many as 15,000 potential stories could appear at any time they log on. Oh, dear. That's what, you know, what, who's, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know, man. I I guess the the prescriptive medicine that we need to say is that prepare for zero. And yes. I, mean, I mean, there's some odd things too, right? There's I had two conversations. One was at uh, Content Marketing World Executive Forum when we were talking with Scott Linnebarger. Yeah, uh, at the clinic, who's getting great results? Who he's saying that he's sometimes he's getting up to sixty percent organic reach. Uh, the the Cleveland Clinic is getting. On their posts, uh, and they have a blog called Health Hub, which is simply fantastic. You got to check it out. Uh, but so there's there's one example, and I was actually at the Press Club of Ohio put on um, an awards ceremony, uh, Ohio Journalism of Excellence Awards. That actually, uh, Chief Content Officer got first place for best I cover saw design. Isn't that I something? saw that. So, anyways, it I was there something. talking to a lot of news people and journalists, and one of the local newscasters was saying, as I said. Where are you getting most of your online traffic? And she said, it's not even close. It's Facebook. So, I mean, there is an opportunity. If you're like super newsy, the upworthy, the buzzfeeds of the world, I mean, you can absolutely, Facebook is going to drive a lot of traffic because that, they want that. They, they want that kind of engagement. But if you're like putting out, you know, regular blog posts and white papers and ebooks and whatever as a business, I just don't think you're going to get traction with it. That's exactly right. And I don't fault, look, I mean, you know, as much fun as we make, I mean, because let's be honest, neither this little podcast or anything we say here is going to upset the giant behemoth ship, you know, that is, you know, I, I, it's like that scene in Star Wars, right? When the opening scene of Star Wars, we're the little tiny ship with the giant Death Star, you know, destroyer coming after us. No, it's the opening you know, scene in 
it's yeah. baseballs where yeah, it just yeah, keeps exactly. going and going, going and going. <laughs> I mean, so we're not going to make a big splash here, but the the idea is that yes, of course, you can create great organic content and you will get reach if you can do that in a very particular case. The where I object is the false promise that was made for a lot of these smaller businesses and businesses that won't necessarily always have the buzzworthy feed type headlines. You know, the example I always use is the, you know, is the local farmers market who spent real money and real effort to build a community to communicate non-exciting things like opening times, new vendors, what's going on in calendars and for them to write some exciting amazing headline to inform their community, quote unquote, that they're going to be closed on a particular holiday is just that's that's not what the original promise of building a Facebook brand page was all about. So, and I get it. They can't they they're now backed into a corner and they can't do it, right? The the part that I that made my heart sing and made us feel right was at the end of the article and this is a quote from his post where he says your business will see much greater value if you use Facebook to achieve specific business objectives like driving in-store sales or boosting app downloads, like TV, search, newspapers, radio, and virtually every other marketing platform. Facebook is far more effective when businesses use paid media to help meet their goals. I mean, end of story. Facebook is now a publishing platform like TV, like newspapers, like radio. That's the end of the story. Uh, the saddest thing to me is when you bring up the small businesses. And what was that? Maybe two, three years ago, there was this whole wave of you don't need a website anymore. You, you I was just, just at a conference. I was just at a conference um, uh, last week. It was the Hyvio conference down in San Diego. Great, amazing conference, by the way. Mark Ramsey, uh, I know he's a listener of the show, a really good friend. Just at a wonderful, wonderful conference down there and had a great time. But there was a speaker there who basically said, "Yeah, you should b- basically obliterate your website and oh, put your entire no. presence on Facebook." Did and you, I, did you, you say know, something? Well, I asked him the question about you know I brought up the John Battelle article and said you know rented house you know on on or build your house on rented land and and he didn't quite follow the thing and I didn't want to be you know I didn't want to be that guy yeah. right you know at a conference but you so. were <laughs> you were that guy yeah but anyways yeah, yeah. I mean it, that's the that's the thing that makes me sad that exact yeah. thing is and and all those companies that said oh no no we'll just we'll just get likes on Facebook and it'll all work out we don't need to own that asset and here we are that's right you know yeah there we are moving on speaking of data um and the asset uh this is an interesting article that i saw on um i don't know where the original article came from i saw it on business to community.com by john miller who is the founder and i believe ceo of scribewise um the article is entitled how much data do you really need for content marketing and he actually i really like this article because he goes on to he, he talks about a use case where he was working with a fortune 100 company who was spending six months deep diving into persona development and 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 basically the point was really you're going to take six months to develop personas which at their ultimate conclusion will probably be different at the end of that six months process so you know it's like that old you know you, they, they they often talk about this you know painting the golden gate bridge right they you know they basically never stop painting it yeah. as soon as they get to the end of it they have to go back and start painting it again and the question is how much data do you really need to start making good decisions. And I love the quote. He quotes actually a friend of the show, Joe Chernoff, um, who's over at HubSpot now, basically quoting him saying, just because I don't have data doesn't mean it's not true. And that's to me is I, I see a lot of businesses now making this mistake, which is to get so lost 
and getting wrapped up in the depth of looking at how data is going to affect the business or how personas might affect the buyer's journey or going so deep into developing these engagement roadmaps of buyer's journeys and, you know, 200-page PowerPoints that go through the buyer's journey and the emotional thing, that they get caught into this like, okay, now what do we do with it? We've just spent six months developing this huge analysis, and we have no action to take. And in some cases, you just kind of got to go on your gut and actually make a move. And so I really liked the article for that. I thought it was a really good lesson and a reminder that sometimes you just need to (laughs) create instead of analyzing. Well, that's why I like the pilot program, and we talk about it all the time. It's like, don't... You don't. You're not gonna. You say this all the time. It's like, did anyone say when you were launching a business that okay, I want to know for sure that it's gonna be successful? Right. Say with an advertising program, right? I want to know for sure I'm gonna get business off of this advertising program. It's it's like the same thing happens with content marketing. At some point, that's where the pilot, where you just say, look, let's give it a six month period. What's our hypothesis? What are our business goals? Why are we doing this in the first place? How are we going to look at the metrics? You know, and then you do the whole thing, editorial calendar and everything. And then at six months, you come back together with the people in the room and say, okay, how did we do? Should we go forward? And, and they could have get, you could have got a whole, uh, you know, whole foot, whole body in the water by that time while you're doing the buyer personas. By the way, most businesses don't even do buyer personas. They don't even look at in depth into their audience, which is a whole nother thing on strategy. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. But this, but this company, obviously, this example is going overboard. So just... Yeah, and I think that's the real key here is is that it's it's you know in fact he actually says which I think is just a it's a it's a it's a highly unsatisfying answer but it's the right answer when he says how much data do you need some right you you need some right so you and this goes right to when you you know I, I love your answer when when you get asked you know this at a con- how much content should I be producing right what's the right answer you know what's the right answer to how much the answer is as much as you can produce great content, right? So if you can produce a lot of it, then produce a lot of it. But if you can't, don't. That's the answer. And it's a highly unsatisfying answer because in many times we want the the template, you know, what's the what's the right, you know, what's the right amount of time we should be spending on something? What's the right, you know, amount of content we should be producing? And quite frankly, it's just there's no good one templated answer. I, yeah, I mean, if I would I'd love to do a great post every 5 minutes. But I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I simply can't. I just can't do it. Every ten, maybe, but every five, just it's just <laughs> pushing it, man. I'm exhausted. I can't even. I can barely get ready to do this I'm podcast. I'm spent. <laughs> I'm just. Spent. I don't have another good idea. The Godfather is spent. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously. Hey, I'll tell you what. It's it's how many how many different ways you going to say content marketing? I mean, sometimes we just exactly gotta... <laughs> we just yeah. That's exactly right. Well, plus, yeah, I mean, all these content marketing is dead articles that we're talking about. I mean, well, geez. speaking of which, oh. speaking of which, so moving on to our next story. Well, here's a here's a doozy for you. Um, the headline here, which is I, I think he doesn't mean this, but the headline it sort of it sort of belies the it, it sort of just you know it it, it, it yeah. anyway the the headline of the article is content marketing isn't a good marketing strategy after all. Um, and uh, uh, written by the uh, by a guy by the a guy by the name of Stony G. DeGuider, who I know you know him. You know, I know Stony yeah? Stony DeGuider. Yeah. yeah, he's a Northeast Ohio guy. He's been running a, a search engine optimization company called uh, Pole Position Marketing for a long time. Really got a good reputation around here, and 
Now, after saying that, now we can trash this article. No, yeah. no, it's Tony. I love you, man. It's all yeah. Good. It's ahead, not that. Me. It's well. <laughs> so he talks about how content marketing isn't a truly sustainable strategy, and unlike the content shock argument, his is really coming from and kind of myopically, I think, looking through the search engine lens, um, where he basically says that. He asks the question first, well, whether content marketing is a sustainable strategy or not, or will it fall out of uh, favor over time, just like other marketing tactics have. And then he says, you know, he, his evidence to support this is that, you know, guest posting is now gone because Google doesn't like it anymore. I would argue that just because guest posting is as good with SEO. Right. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, look, Google may or may not like it. I don't know enough about search engine optimization to, to have an opinion on that. But what I do know is, is that there are other reasons to do guest posting other than SEO. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then he concludes also that this makes content marketing suspect you know, because Google algorithm of the day is basically going to screw you up at some point down the road. And then he basically concludes the whole thing by saying that Community is where you want to go. Commu- and, and this is where you, it, it went off the rails for me because community is conversation and that is how content – and he says content is like giving a man a fish and community and conversation is teaching the man how to fish. And I, I think I know what he's trying to say here or at least you know, maybe I shouldn't assume. But I think what he's basically saying is, is that good content strikes up conversation and that's really where you want to focus from an SEO standpoint. But this is so – sort of narrowed down into the test tube of SEO that it sort of just completely lost the entire point for me. So um, I just wanted to make the point that for those that are looking at content marketing and SEO, I mean, it's funny, I was on a a webinar uh, in the Australian market uh, this week, and the interviewer asked me, what's the big thing that Australians, you know, have, you know, what's the difference between the Australian market and and the U.S. market? I said, you know, the biggest difference is that the Australians aren't getting wrapped around the axle of SEO like the Americans are. I mean, somehow along the way, we got wrapped around the axle of SEO and that content marketing equals SEO. And we're still trying to unwind that. And the Australians are not. They're basically moving right to quality content, really focusing on high quality engagement, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, And quite frankly, they're, you know, they're doing well because of it. Well, whenever you see an article that starts talking about content marketing as a new thing, I, I know they're, they're coming from an SEO standpoint. Because yeah. if you don't understand that it, you're, you're talking about publishing that has been around forever and brands doing publishing have been around for hundreds of years, that's an, then I always get – I'm always – and I'm looking at it sideways as I go through the rest of the article trying to figure out uh, where, what side the, the bread's buttered on. But, I mean, the couple, couple things as part of it. I have to say this because – uh, and he does he does qualify it when he's talking about guest posting. You made a really good point that you have a lot of different goals to guest posting than just search. Right. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is it's guest posting depending on what the motive is. There's a lot of uh, of those posting houses online that just post articles as link bait, and they basically that's their goal in life to do that. And those are, you know, of course, Matt cuts over Google. It's all over those. Don't do those. Don't get involved in those. Great. That's fine. That makes sense because you're trying to cut through the system. Whenever you're trying to cut through the Google system, it's not going to work, right? They always have to go back to basic strategies. But if you look at editorial contributions, that is the core to every uh, large media company on the web right now. Look at Huffington Post. Look at, like it or not, Forbes. Uh, look at BuzzFeed, look at 
some even some of the stuff Upworthy's getting into, they have a yep. lot of contributing writers that drive everything for them. Being a contributing writer, you could look at as the same thing as guest posting. It's just on a consistent basis. So that I just I have a big issue with that. You can create a really good following through guest posting. Um, I don't know if you have a take on that. I just wanted to say, uh, it. you know, well, I, and I, and I never have purported myself to really know that much about SEO. I mean, I know the basics of SEO, and 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 I don't follow that space all that closely. Um, what I do know is is that content marketing is a much bigger approach than just focusing on SEO. It's not just about getting link backs or increasing search results. That is one very small mm-hmm. in my mind goal of a content marketing program and it's and it and it and a decreasingly important one and i think it's one of the reasons that you see so many seo agencies really refocusing their efforts on content and the importance of it and other mechanisms of content other than you know how it rank in the search engine so it's a, it's it's an important fact um that that needs to be recognized which is it's they're not the same thing and so, and every time I see something that sort of reduces it down to just SEO, it, it's, 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 that's what sends me into the, into the let, you know, I got, I got to, I just got to come down on it. Well, I actually think that Stoney's definition here, he's trying to expand beyond the definition, but he's assuming that the definition is based in search. I don't, yeah. And if that's he had said basically, right. And if he had said, look, you know, here, are, here's the problem. If his headline had read, SEO, the challenge with content marketing from an SEO perspective or, you know, something like that. But when he conflates marketing strategy and content marketing and basically uses, a you know, that headline to say, yeah, it's not a good strategy. I mean, talk about SEO. I, that's the search that I don't want out there for, you know, this is, goes back to what we were talking last week. When an executive or a CEO starts going, hey, this content marketing thing is really interesting. I've read this book by a guy by the name of Joe Polizzi, and I see this content marketing thing at a conference, and let me go do a search on it. And this is the first link he comes up with. He doesn't go read the nuance of all of what he's trying to communicate here. He goes, ah, content marketing, Google, bad, done. It's not, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And you, you immediately start setting up those barriers for the business case to be made by those who are really trying to further the practice. That's my challenge with it. I guess the last thing I'll say on this is, and you say, this is what really, when I was going, he was going through the example of, Hey, I'm going and I searched for something online and I went to a couple, you know, articles that on Google that helped me find my thing. And I don't remember who they were or who brought them or whatever. So they didn't hit their corporate goals. And I, I fulfilled what I was trying to do and, you know, it didn't work to them. Pure search engine optimization didn't work. Ha ha. We've got to have more. Um, The one thing that I got out of that is you say this all the time. If you're creating content, what we want to do is not describe value. We want to create value. Right. And that's where I'm thinking is, and that's where I think the utility stuff needs to take a step further. I think you can't just – and you can't – by the way, you can't have this be part of your content marketing strategy. But I think where really the, the fun stuff gets in, where you can really create, as Stoney wants to, this community and this relationship is to really create some value. Have a different point of view. Have a different take on something that's going to take these people in a new direction. Not just say, uh, you know, here's six steps to making a fire. So yeah. that's <laughs> oh good. When I type right. in making a fire, exactly. it comes up, and that's then right. I'm never going to go back to that site again because I made a fire. So that's right, that's right. And also, by the way, when you set up a community, it's not just go, hey, let's set up a community, and then you guys talk about whatever you want to talk about here. 
Well, no, yeah. you don't do that. You you set up a community and then you facilitate that by throwing in, uh, you know, to use your metaphor, a fire starter, right? You throw in content to let these people talk about whatever it is on your brand approach that people are going to talk about. You know, I mean, I would argue that there is a community at large for Content Marketing Institute but it's not because we create a community on the Content Marketing Institute website. It's because we create content that's worth talking yep. about. Well, that's the, and that's real, the real that's the real difference. Well, it's a great point. I was I was doing an interview for uh, I think it was Trade Show Executive Magazine today or something like that. So we'll see when that article comes out. But it was asking <laughs> me about you know content marketing world and how we do what we do and everything. And and the first question was how did you create the community around content marketing? I said we didn't create anything. The community already existed. Right. We just exactly. we, we just started creating some content, and then they said, "Hey, that's what we it's, do," and they started to right. organize around it, and then that's where the show came from because these people wanted to meet. It's nothing that we did, but content spurred that on and said, "Hey, these people are starting to talk like we talk. This is what I here's who I am. I must be a content marketer." But we didn't create a community; it was already going. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Well, enough of. Enough of beating down Stony. Stoning Stony. Stony, we love you, man. Uh, yeah. I'll see you at Content Marketing yeah. World. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can you can punch me in the head there if you want to. Yeah. Um, moving on, the next article, uh, a really, I thought, interesting and thoughtful article um, by uh, our good friend, J.P. DeClerc, um, who's hosting an event next week uh, in Antwerp. Um, that neither you or I will be at, um, which is uh, a shame. Uh, but it's in Antwerp. It's a content marketing event there. And uh, good friends of the show, Jay Bear, will be there. Lee Oden will be there. Um, of course, Doug Kessler will be there. There's a number of people that are great, great, uh, great, should be a great show. Anyway, he writes an article called Content Marketing, the Copernican Re- Revolution. Um, anybody who brings Copernicus into the argument um, wins me immediately. <laughs> but um, he basically uses the idea of, you know, the at one point people believed the Earth was the center of the universe and Copernicus who says, yeah, that ain't right. It's the other way around. And I just, the reason I like this article so much was one, it just frames content marketing in a really nice and interesting and different way. But I think just to the point, just to the conversation we were just talking about, there's, there's a point at the very end of the article where he says, great content happens when it becomes information, useful interaction, a story, an answer, a smile, a meaning, anything resolving or excuse me, revolving around the human experience. I just love that. I love that quote. So JP, if you listen to this, this that's just a wonderful, wonderful way to say it. And to me, that's really what we're after here, right? So can we get that useful interaction, a story? Can we get an answer? Can we get a smile? Can we get meaning? Can we do anything that creates value where we're revolving around that human experience? And that, to me, is such a wonderful way to say it. Well, you've you said this when we did the LinkedIn, excuse me, workshop in uh, in Canada, where you think this whole thing is going to customer experience. I mean, I do. do you have a take on that? I think it's important because it really is. I think that reading this fits in perfectly with where you see the market going. I do. Well, this goes to my, you know, the thing that I'm working on, which uh, is tentatively titled The Seventh Era of Marketing, um, which is a book idea I'm working on and, and, and a few other things where it's about our ability as marketers to create experiences through, you know, through content, but also ultimately through physical experiences um, and, you know, basically experiences that in JP's, you know, to borrow JP's phrase here, that revolve around the human experience. And that will be our ultimate, you know, and, and, and truly, you know, if we look at, you know, th- so this idea that we're, 
and, and this isn't sort of any official dictate or anything, but a lot of people acknowledge that we're in quote unquote the sixth era of marketing now, which was really started in the late nineties with, you know, uh, uh, Rogers and peppers and the one-to-one marketing and relationship marketing and really the era of CRM is what it's called, uh, and customer relationships. And I think that that era is slowly moving into this era of delighting customers where we have to delight, you know, through the use of experiences, content and physical and, you know, basically creating experiences where our job as marketers is to continually evolve customers by delighting them. You know, the example I use all the time is the HBO, um, you know, when that when you hear that static in HBO and, and, and from the old days, when you hear that, you know, that song from the HBO, you didn't know what was going to happen, but you knew something great was going to happen. And it's that kind of experience that we need to be able to create for consumers where they don't know what's going to happen with our brand, but they know when they hear it, when they're, when they know when it, the opportunity is there, that something great is going to happen. And that's not about having a deeper relationship with a customer, because quite frankly, I have zero relationship with HBO. All I know is, is that they delight me at every turn. And that's really where we're moving into. And anyway, I don't want to get off on a, on a thing here, but, but it's, uh, that's, that's truly where I think we're moving sort of m- more holistically. No, I mean, it, there's another great line here. And it's worth saying from JP, um, you know, great content indeed does not just happen. It requires commitment, integration, evolution, innovation, consistency. And the last one is guts <laughs> fun. Yeah. Uh, I just love that whole thing. And almost like I would call it grit. I just went to a uh, entrepreneurship conference uh, a few weeks ago and the word that everyone kept using and I just I just thought it was odd was grit like and, and as an entrepreneur people get you know people have started a business you'll get that and I think the same thing goes for content marketing because as we've talked about the reason why most content marketing programs fail is because they stop and that's yeah. that's the issue in this whole thing and, and I think it's no it's no accident that when he's saying about all the words that define uh, the customer experience and the content that you create for a business, he's got commitment, consistency, and guts in there. And that's all about delivering something consistently, and that's what most of us don't do. Well, so. you know, and what's so funny about that is that when, when, you know, when we say that, the the immediate image that comes to mind when you say you know the reason that most content marketing initiatives fail is because they stop we have this image in our head of sort of you know this brick wall that it hits and that's not usually what happens what happens is is that you lose that grit so what starts out as this innovative storytelling engaging developing meaning all of the wonderful things that we just said starts out that way and then slowly somebody goes yeah, that's not quite salesy enough. So can we put yeah. something in there that makes it a more a little more call to action? Yeah, that's not quite. And slowly over time, or maybe very quickly, depending on your situation, it turns back into marketing material, then it fails, then it stops. Well, that fight between creative and sales. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, and, that's the grit. That's really where you need the grit. And you almost have to kick sales out of the room. You almost just have to say, and that's where that top-down approach, you have to have somebody in the organization that says, look, we need to go forward with this. We think this is going to work. We believe it. This is a hypothesis. This is the audience. We're going to let them run with it, and we're not going to talk about ourselves in this instance. Yeah, It's just hard to do, hard for a lot of companies to do. It's I'm, hard. It's hard. This is where the real work begins. This is, you know, this is something that came out of Executive Forum. This is something that we're starting to see more and more that – you know, finding a home for content marketing 
is hard and we we know it and it's it's becoming a huge piece of our agenda moving forward is to try and further that you know and find that you know find those solutions where it's working and how it's working that's i mean it's a big part of what i want to work on anyway so i want to i'm excited about talking about these last three articles we've got well here you go so let's um, do that well these two the next two come together and this is something i really want to get your take on because i read these two things together and could not square them um and so i'm hoping you can actually so Reading this first article, which is the headline, A Record-Breaking Month in New Magazine Launches. And it's by this blog, which I love the name of the blog, although I hate the design of the blog, i got to tell you. Um, Mr. Magazine um, is the name of the blog, who, and he covers the magazine business. And basically he says, all in all, May was a spectacular month for new launches of niche magazine titles. And apparently it was a record launch in the number of titles that were launched. That is followed the next day, literally, with a company called Source Interlinks that has basically ab- absorbed, um, lost, read, merged, whatever you want, uh, verb you like there, um, 12 of its super niche print titles and basically lost the, you know, and so I, I would look at that and went, huh, it's a record month for new magazine launches. So publishing, yay, is doing great. And then, huh, Source Interlink loses 12 titles. Niche titles are not working. What did I miss there? What tell me? Tell me how this squares with each other from your deep publishing background. Well, I don't know if I have the answer, but I, I definitely have a take on it. So Samir Husni, by the way, is Mr. Mag- Magazine. If you don't know, I've known Samir for I years. I don't. He's fantastic. Don't. It, One of the funniest yeah. people you'll ever meet. Oh, the writing is fantastic. Uh, I just hate the design of the blog. That's he, all. He's great. Of course, the most passionate man in the world about oh, magazines, which is why he's, love he's Mr. Magazine. And he's basically the whole article and his rant in general is when people say print is dead and magazines are dead, he'll come back with all this data and say they're not. So we see, you know, whatever he said, 96 new titles. Uh, what was that over the last over the last month? So record breaking yeah. and new consumer magazines. And then you said at the at the and the other article, which is from a cool new sh- uh, site called Media Shepherd, by the way, um, talking about what. The, the absorption of these 12 super niche titles and they're going away. Here's what I think is happening. I think that publishing is figuring out a better business model. And I think that these new ones that are coming along have a business model where it's not just focused on advertising and it's focusing on selling stuff. And if you want to look at a precedent for this, if you look at um, my old boss when I was at Pet Media, David Nussbaum, he's now CEO of a company called F&W Media and F&W is an enthusiast publisher. And if you look at their titles where they'll do things like, uh, I know one of them is woodworking. So they've got a magazine for woodworking, a community for woodworking. Well, the majority of their, almost all their revenue growth, and it seems like the majority of their revenue now in the organization is not on, is not on advertising. It's not sponsorship. They just sell stuff. They sell all kinds of stuff. They sell content packages. They sell how-to kits. They sell products directly in woodworking. So they're creating all this content. But really, you can say they're a media company because they have the roots of a media company. But they're just like any other company selling stuff. And they're using content to generate all that attention and relationship building. Fascinating. So, so, that, so that's, I think, what we're seeing with these new magazines that can be part of a holistic publishing strategy. Of course, but but is the magazine itself going to be a profit generator? No, it's probably a lost leader. It's probably a lost leader 
for them to drive them to go to events, to content pieces, to whatever. So I'm under the assumption, Robert, that these new magazine launches have figured out that there's a better way to monetize this since well, there's a lot of there's not as much advertising out there anymore and it's just <laughs> going down and they're not going to see it. Right. Although there is advertising, don't get me wrong, but you can't uh, you can't bet the bank on advertising. So I think that's what we're seeing. So these two and you're you know, where where you're talking about source interlink and those and the shuttering of those magazines, that's a very, very traditional model. Mostly advertising based. I don't think they've figured out the me- the media model there that it that's new, and I think that's the problem. Well, I think that's a really so thank you for that. I think I think that's a really interesting because this goes back to we've talked about this on a couple of shows now where we often think of content marketing as brands, product brands becoming media companies, but in many ways this is disrupting the media world just as much where media companies are becoming product companies. And, you know, evolving new ways to monetize content is really um at the heart of that. Um, which is a really interesting because I mean it, it speaks to I was just working with a client, you know, one of our advisory clients, talking to them, and they're they're ostensibly an association, but but really what they are is an information provider for their particular niche that they that they um, you know that they work in, and the challenges, of course, is that information is becoming democratized and available over search, and and really, you know, a giant website that basically is full of facts is not you know, is not sustainable in their industry because there are bloggers providing that information. There are entire websites to provide that information. And so there's really no reason for their members to be members anymore. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so they have to figure out new ways to use content actually to drive a distinct point of view. So that there is a reason. In other words, they have to go out and compete with the media brands that they might not have otherwise competed with previously and by the way they have to do it against some of their partners some of their you know some of their member partners will also be creating content for their own nefarious marketing purposes and so if they don't get good at content fast they may find their members actually going out and competing with them for that same level of information so it's 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 really sort of a you know a stick in the butt as it were you know to say you got to get moving on this thing because mm-hmm. You know, as a media company, you've got to figure out new ways to monetize. And as a brand, you better watch it because, you know, your competitors, you know, as as I said in a blog post just last week, it's no longer if content is going to affect your business, it's how. But look at how all these, I mean, you bring up the association business. Look at these three businesses. You'll take the publishing business, which historically is I create content and get paid for it directly on sponsorship or paid content. Great. Association. You become a member. You get unique content that nobody else can get. You pay me a membership fee. You get that content. Great. And then you got the traditional brands out there, which I'm going to give you content, and then hopefully you'll buy my product. Right. Because, But all those three are coming together. It's a very, very similar model throughout because now associations are breaking down the barriers. They've got to give that content away for free. They're saying, oh, we can't charge a membership fee like this anymore or have that be based on the content because we got, we got to give away the content for free because everybody else did. Publishing's like, nobody's going to pay advertising. And then they're, of course, giving away the boat on native advertising deals. Ding, ding, ding. 
There it is. Uh, wow, we got to we got to thirty eight minutes in the show. I didn't think we were gonna out. say it, so I had to bring it in somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, so they're well, they're trying to figure that out. So there's that now. They're all these uh, the business model is almost all the same throughout those three. Well, but, groups. okay. So here's a really interesting tie into our last story, right? Because this is a story that comes out of uh, Folio Mag, which you know is actually a little old. It's 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 a couple of weeks old, but I missed it somehow, and so I wanted to bring it up for this show. Um, it was part of that MIN conference that we, we talked about uh, either last show or the show before, the Content Marketing and Innovation Summit in New York, where they – but they actually did a study, and I didn't see this before, but they actually did a survey where they uh, surveyed, I guess, attendees, people who were coming to the show, and really the, the idea said content marketing is growing, yeah, but it's not a very high priority for these publishers. And it was an interesting because according to the survey, they had 100 respondents, which isn't very statistically representative, but okay, 100 respondents. And they said content marketing is a mixed bag in terms of priority for these people on a scale of one to five with five indicating the lowest priority and 25% said they were right down the middle giving it a priority of three. There was only 17% who said it was a top priority. So is it that these publishers, and these are, by the way, the audience here is really publishers for this, for this, particular, mm-hmm. for this particular conference. Yeah. Is this that these are publishers going with their head in the sand that say, you know what, there's all these innovative business models happening and we're just not paying attention? What do you, what do you ascribe the sort of the, this, that sort of response to? Well, I got a couple takes on it. I'm sure you knew I probably did. Yeah. The one, the, the, the one There's take, a reason I picked some of these stories. <laughs> I love, I love uh-huh. these publishing stories because that's how yeah. I lived and breathed in this so long. Uh, the truth is, there. of course, there's revenue opportunities, and we just talked about the native thing. Lots of revenue, lots of brands that would like to partner with publishers on content programs. It's there. But I, I've, I have not seen the boat turn where content marketing as part of the business model is is good at all for publishing from this group of traditional publishers that filled out this survey. So let me let me explain that a little bit. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you a story because it sort of sets it in place. So I was with a company that got bought out by another company and I was part of the custom media operation. So we did all the work for hire. And when you say work for hire, it really means that. So we're creating content for our quote-unquote advertisers, and they get usage rights of that content. It is not an asset in the in the sense of the word like publishing would be a normal asset that you'd have a brand, you'd have e-newsletters, you own the content, none of that. We did work for hire. And when they were valuing the company, we were actually a fairly large division in the company, and they never even looked at the value of our group when they when they valued out the entire organization. Wow. So this is, you know, we were we were about a $10 million uh, piece of the organization and fairly profitable, but it wasn't valued at all. Zero value. Now, I'm, I'm <laughs> it, I still find it hard to believe, but that's a true statement because of the fact that there's not a high valuation put on content for hire in a publishing operation. That feeds down from the top, very top, the people that are getting paid by venture capitalists and whatnot. And they're going to say, well, we don't want that kind of business to be too much of our business. So about a 10% is fine. But anymore, we don't want to lower the value in our EBITDA level so we can sell the company in the future. So, so don't do too much of that. So I completely get like the new business models, like your uh, your BuzzFeeds of the world, they're completely based off of majority revenues, native advertising. Traditionally, no. 
And I don't think that's going to change unless it comes top down and says they're going to give a higher valuation for content for hire. And I just don't think it's going to happen. I think well, it's more of an agency a, model. That is a f- – okay, so you've just opened up a whole new – oh, my God. So every time I talk to you, I have more to do. Um, <laughs> here's – what do you, here, let me just throw this out there. Okay. If I was valuing HubSpot today – how much value would I put in the mountain of content and that and the assets that they have been able to create with their blog through all of their content programs as a as a venture capitalist or as someone who was trying to put a value to that company? I would argue that there's real value there in that in the audience that they've built up that either a are not customers or B are in the you know in their sort of audience becoming customers as it were. I think there's real value there. I think that's going to be something that's going to be a real challenge in going forward for many businesses who go all in or or even partially in on content marketing. There is going to be value created there, but I wonder how we're going to be able to teach the venture capitalists in the case of startup companies and more investment banker types uh, and CFOs how to place value on the content that that value that's created through content, that'll be a oh, that, really interesting oh, that's, challenge. That's the que- I love that, uh, that you brought that up. That's the question of the day because you and I were talking the other day about why there's not more M and a activity going around where, uh, brands like a HubSpot would buy, you know, a publisher or a media property or, right. or something like right. that, which I think is going to happen. And of course at executive forum, we heard that there's some scuttlebutt and some certain companies that will go and be renamed nameless at this point that are going to do that. So we're going to, to hear some of those things, but I, I mean, now you're really talking crazy talk because if you go to, uh, l- let's say you say, Oh, I want HubSpot's blog. I want their event. I mean, they have a whole media portfolio around that. Exactly. What, what's to say somebody might not come in and say, look, I want the, I want the content assets. We will continue to promote your products and services and whatnot, but this is an asset. Let's take inbound, for example, their conference. Somebody could just scoop that up with a biscuit and they could sell it <laughs> for multiple millions of dollars if they wanted to, right? If they absolutely yeah. wanted to, somebody could buy CMO.com from Adobe. And, and, right. I, and I would imagine that they've probably gotten bids on it. There's no re- and yeah. the difference is is that the they they probably aren't monetizing it like a traditional media company would so your metrics are all out of line. You're not looking at that's a, right. a, a revenue well, that's the real that, that, standpoint. Yeah. And that's the and that's the and that's the real question of the day is you know how much is cmo.com worth, right? In you know and it, I mean in the case of Adobe, I'm sure it's a drop in the bucket, but but it there's there are dollar I mean it's yeah. worth something, right? I mean there is value there. You know, you take comparable value. Take take that site Take the traffic, take the type yeah. of people that go to it, look at a comparable site there. You do a CPM value. You could figure out and say uh, that site's worth X millions of dollars because of based on what they would do if you put a regular business model, media business model on top of it. Done. Hey, yeah. let's see that happen. That'd be cool. Oh, my gosh. That oh, we're going to have – We're going to have – cool. One of these days, people are just going to say, hey, Robert and Joe are not going to shut up until we start buying some stuff. <laughs> so you know it's going to happen at some point. Well, speaking of not shutting up until somebody buys something, we have a wonderful sponsor we should get to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, this old marketing is once again proud to be sponsored by Emma. Uh, go to myemma.com. If you're not familiar with Emma, email marketing service for the modern brand featuring mobile responsiveness templates, social integration tools, 
and the now renowned concierge services that we talk about every absolutely episode. i'm not kidding dude i've gotten more tweets and emails from people who've downloaded this this thing and just said this is an amazing piece of content yeah it's absolutely so it's 18 email stats every marketer needs to know go to bit bitly.com slash email dash pnr email dash pnr all lowercase and check it out and uh, we we decided last episode i think it was an infographic on steroids e-infographic book Uh, e-infographic book on steroids i'm sorry thank you for correcting (laughs) me so please go check that out thanks once again to emma for being a sponsor such a loyal uh, so we couldn't we couldn't do what we do every week without the supporters like emma so thank you very very much Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, now it is time for the show that you've all been waiting for, of course, our rants and rave section of the show where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that is either bugging the heck out of us or we'd like to send a little love to. And Joe, what do you, I mean, do you have a, do you have a rant or a rave this I, week? I have, a, I have a quick rant, and I just found this article today, and it is from ZDNet. And it's from uh, a writer called Violet Blue from the Pulp Tech d- Division. Uh-oh. So it's it's. Um, I'm not going to go into all the details of the article, but I'll just read the title, and it's called "Thanks for Nothing, Jerkface." And oh it, wow! And it's about so Go- it starts off on a positive note, but it's about Google. The jerkface okay. is Google, right. and and the specific person is uh, Sergey Brin, uh, the oh, you know okay. the the, uh, the CEO. He is CEO, I believe. Correct. I believe so. Yes, yes, yes. yes. but they trade titles. Yeah, I can't figure out how they how they do what. But basically, I guess what happened is is that he was uh, Sergey was at a conference recently in the Bay Area last week and said that Google Plus was just a big mistake, and he's taking ownership over that. And I guess my my rant on this whole thing and my shame on Google thing is that and the article goes into this whole thing. It's really quite interesting. But I really thought that Google Plus had an opportunity, uh, especially with, especially with Facebook. Doing Don't you a, owe me like a? I owe you something, something big on this, and now I've got to probably pay up yeah. uh, because I really thought that Google Plus has an opportunity when Facebook was closing down their organic reach so much, and I'm like, oh, this is an open door for Google Plus. And I think what happened, and the article goes into this, Robert, where they just made you had to sign up for Google plus on everything. And they started to integrate everything and they shoved YouTube comments and that was Google plus, And they started to, they started to make it evil. Right. And it just didn't start to work really well. And now we don't even know really what Google plus is. It's, it's like everything opposite of what Google was, the simplicity that Google was out to talk about and to, to be helpful. It's not helpful and it's not simple. And of course now they're backing out of it. The, former uh the ceo of that division or the president of that division has already left and we don't know what's going to happen with google plus so i just you know my rants against google plus i'll put we'll put the article in the show notes yeah it's an interesting it's actually there's some you know not safe for work stuff in the article itself it's really kind of sad what happened to some people as they started to integrate uh some of the um identities with each other that google plus was trying to do but i just think that you know i think we're, we're saying goodbye to google plus I, yeah, I don't think we are. We are saying goodbye to Google, Google Plus. Yeah, it's 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 on its way out the door. Yeah. yeah. So so what's your uh, what's your rant or rave? I have for the a week? very I have a very short rave this week actually, um, and it's just I was I, <laughs> ironically enough, um, I was on Facebook. 
Um, and uh, this was something that a friend of mine shared, and I really went to it. And, and I tend to – I'm one of those guys who watches the TV commercials in between. I mean, my wife hates this. Um, I, you know, I look at the ads in magazines because you know, this is my job, right? So I, I actually love ad creative. Um, I actually love great television commercial creative. I just have a real love for great marketing creative. And this, to me, was just a wonderful piece of content marketing. It comes from Mini Cooper, the Mini USA people, um, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, but they have on their Facebook page, um, and this is maybe also big for me because I'm in LA, and LA is a car culture for sure, and it is rare that you go a week without getting something stuck underneath your windshield wiper saying what a jerk you are for parking in a space that didn't belong to you or on a street that's not your, you know, all sorts of stuff. They have got these little flyers that you can basically print out and cut out. And they're little cards. But instead of being like, you know, you're a jerk for parking where you are, they're complimentary. And so, you know, one of them says like, you know, I see you've got a great car there. You know, me being parked next to you, great cars have to stick together. And there's another one that you can put on on another one that's that's got a picture of a shopping cart on it that says – you know, if you get dinged by a shopping cart, it's just the shopping cart doing a fist bump with your car because it's so awesome. <laughs> and there's just all these wonderful little. There's like you know, sixteen of them or something like that. And you can and they and they come in a, like a sheet, so you can print them out and cut them. And they're all done by Mini Cooper. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Mini, oh, it's that's just very so, cool. It's just wonderful. I just thought it was a wonderful, inventive uh, way to do something that uh, is really just quite simple and um uh, and that's and and yeah it was just a wonderful thing oh that's a that's a fantastic example you know that's sort of uh that leads into our our final yeah of course our this old marketing example and you've got a wonderful I've one got this a, week. i've got a good one so i'll just tell i'm it. jealous of this oh, one actually so, because you got to eat so quick story uh we uh, we were at a wonderful outing uh, we go to saint malachy church at, near west side in cleveland and they do a Soup for the Soul uh, charitable event. And, and the organization, St. Malachy Center, does some amazing things for, um, for, for the homeless and the elderly. And, and if, you, if you want, want to see it, you can check out their programs. They do amazing stuff. We were there to support them. And we won, as part of the, one of the uh, live raffles, uh, a donation, which was a pig roast. And there was a company that donated it called Fresh Fork Market that they would come over and they cooked at our house. So this is yesterday. So we had, we had uh, 60 or so people over at the house and we, they were doing the pig roast and they came at nine 30 in the morning and they left at midnight last night. I mean, it was an all day thing. It was amazing. And what I loved about it is, and I, and I said, uh, uh, Trevor was, is the guy who runs, um, fresh fork market. And I said, Hey, you got any marketing material? I want to help you out. We got, you got a good crew coming over. Let me pass this stuff out gives us a magazine and we'll put the picture in the show notes and if you can look it up it's fantastic fresh fork market almanac and it is it is as farmy an almanac as you can get beautiful <laughs> photography there's a little boy drinking a glass of milk uh, and there's a cow behind him and basically fresh fork market is talking about all like local uh supporting local farmers bringing that local produce to families who want to donate to a cause and, and to eat really healthy and they've been really growing as a business but this is a magazine this is a magazine about the story of how farmers are creating the uh, the fruits and vegetables and the meats that they uh, that they uh, they grow on the farm and whatnot and they go have a calendar in here about different things go they have recipes I mean it is an amazing 
uh, utility, I guess, is the one way to do it. And what I love about it, it's all about the cause. It's all about fresh. It's all about homegrown. It's all about local. And I just thought it was fantastic that this small business is looking at a print vehicle and they give it out when they go into different places. So I was just thought that that was a fantastic. I mean, what a calling card! What a great. Oh my god! Card. Yeah, they didn't leave any postcards. They didn't leave yeah. business cards. They left their magazine. And what? And this is what I love. It's marketing so good. You don't know it's marketing. People were yeah, grabbing. Exactly. They were grabbing for these things. Like oh I, oh I gotta go. There's one person that was leaving. He said oh I gotta go get the get the magazine before I leave. It's like. How many times do you say, oh, I got to go get that marketing? Exactly. So I just uh, hats off to uh, to Trevor and Adam and the folks that were over here from Fresh Fork Market. They did a fantastic job. And, of course, we were full and uh, and had a wonderful oh, time. Yeah. Well, I you know, I expect my care package to, uh, should be arriving any day now. I got a um, magazine for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take the marketing, but uh, but uh, keep the uh, – yeah, I want, yeah, yeah, I want some of that pig. Um, okay, well, where, what's going on for you? You're still home, yeah? You're not going anywhere, or what's uh, what's your travel still schedule? Still home. I got a couple local speeches here uh, this oh, week, good. and then uh, and then I got a little Father's Day gift. I'll be down in, in dun, I'll dun, be down dun. in Pinehurst watching the U.S. Open with my dad. So Lovely, I'm super That's excited about that. Lovely. And uh, unfortunately, Tiger Woods won't be playing because I think that's always a better tournament with Tiger. But it'll be a great lineup, and, and really looking forward to spending some time with Pop and and seeing some golfing. So how about that's you? That's brilliant. Well, I have um, this week on Thursday. I'm I'm speaking at the uh, American Marketing Association event in Omaha, Nebraska. So I'm hoping nice. to get a good stake in Omaha, um, and uh, and then I'm home for the weekend, uh, and then my marathon trip begins. I'm off to New York to go do a client advisory day, and then I'm off to London to do a talk for uh, for some folks at the Brand Museum. I'm kind of excited to do that. I'm talking at the Brand Museum in London. Sweet. Which should be, yeah, which should be a, just a great, wonderful event. Um, and uh, and then I'm off to uh, Holland. Uh, two, two dates in Holland, one in uh, Zwolle, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and then the other in uh, Amsterdam, uh, more proper, uh, to speaking at a couple of different content marketing events there um, with uh, with some folks that we know. So it's just, um, yeah, it's going to be a marathon. And then back for, you know, and then I'm back for a couple of weeks near the 4th of July. So that's my June. Well, thank God somebody's <laughs> doing the work. Yeah, it certainly exactly. is not me. <laughs> safe travels, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, do tag us on Twitter at hashtag thisoldmarketing or send an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 30. Also, if you like this episode, we do hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or stitcher.com. All those links on the show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. And remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well, will you? We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.